Hello and welcome to Mr. President from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. leader of our people, our fellow citizen and neighbor. These are little-known stories of the men who've lived in the White House. Dramatic, exciting events in their lives that you and I so rarely hear. Through human stories of Mr. President. Our Mr. President's story will begin in just a moment. But meantime, how extensive is your knowledge of our country's past presidents? For example, can you name the president who lost an eye while boxing in the White House? And the president who got the Russians and the Japanese to meet with him and settle the war? There are so many colorful anecdotes about our former chief executives, it's not surprising we find the lives of American presidents fascinating. Perhaps it's because most of us can identify ourselves with their way of life. Their private ambitions, their relationships with their wives, children, and friends are so much like our own. Each week at this time, Mr. President removes the pedestal from under our famous leaders to reveal them as they were, human beings whose desires and ambitions were much the same as yours and mine. Now listen to this absorbing story and see if you can name the president whom it's about. Now, in just a moment, Edward Arnold. <laughs> Mr. President, let's visit him in the White House. It is Sunday, and the old mansion is resting quietly after a busy week. We walk through the great doors under the presidential seal, across the foyer, and down the long hall to the president's study. Come in. Sit down, won't you? You know, in the White House, it's hard to keep one problem from getting tangled up with another, even though the two problems seem to have no apparent relation. Someone, usually a politician... We'll figure out a way to mix them up. That's what this story is about. Later on, of course, I'll tell you which president these events really happened to, but meanwhile, you may be able to guess. It's often happened that while one president led our country through a war, another president had to solve the problems created by the war. One of those problems basically began during the previous administration. A radical political leader had been convicted of trying to obstruct our war effort. Edward B. Debs was sent to federal prison under a 10-year sentence. And everybody thought that was the end of it. But about two years later, I found out otherwise from my secretary, Mastara. You remember, Mr. President, yesterday you asked me to receive that committee while you were with the cabinet? Oh, yes, yes. I hope you made my apologies. Oh, they understood, of course. And what did they want? It's about Edward V. Drew, sir. Oh. They want you to help him. In Atlanta Penitentiary, isn't he? Why should I want to help him, Miss Sarah? Well, you're familiar with his case, of course. Well, in general, he made some strong pacifist speeches during the war, and he was convicted on the grounds that he obstructed the government and the prosecution of the war. 
The Supreme Court affirmed the conviction. Mr. President, I should say this. They didn't come just to plead for Edward Jewell. Almost 150 others were convicted under that same law. We feel that those... We, Miss Sarah, we? I mean, the, the committee feels those people deserve freedom now, sir. They left this written statement of their position on Drew and the other prisoners and this list of the sponsors of the committee and its supporting organizations. Sir. Hmm. I'm surprised to find these individuals fighting for a man like Drew. He's against everything they believe in. They don't believe in imprisoning a man simply because he's against us. One great strength of our democracy is we can afford to let its critics act in the open. Critics, yes, Miss Sarah. But these people agitated against the war. They tried to obstruct recruiting for the services. They tried to weaken people's beliefs in what we were fighting for. But they don't deny that, Mr. President. They rest their case entirely on this point. The war is over. They can't do any harm now, and their continued punishment is unjust. Their conviction grew out of a situation that no longer exists. Miss Sarah, the ideas these people have are completely abhorrent to me. They're against our system, our way of life. My predecessor twice refused to free these prisoners. All the committee asks, Mr. President, is that you consider the case again. All right, Miss Sarah, I'll consider it. You can let the committee know. Well, that must be Senator Johns. He has an appointment, sir. Very well, show him in. Come in, Senator. Yes, sir. Good morning, Mr. President. Hi, right, Mr. Chandler. Well, how can I help you this morning? I am glad to find you in this mood, sir. The Senate Finance Committee is working on a soldier's bonus bill. Uh-huh. Did you draw up the bill? We all drew it together. I see. Of course, Swift will introduce it first in the House, but I wanted to tell you. I belong to the opposition party, but I'm going to support that bill. I'm very glad, Senator. I'd like to be one of the few presidents to carry out all his campaign promises. Now, how does the bill plan to raise the money to pay the bonus? Raise it. We've got plenty of money already in the Treasury. I know. But I hope to use some of that surplus for national expenses. That way, we can reduce the income tax. And any bonus bill will run into so many millions, maybe billions of dollars, that the people ought to know exactly what it costs them. We've got to finance the country very soundly, or there'll be a crash sooner or later. Then don't reduce income taxes. Well, we promised to. That was an important plank of our platform. What I'd like to see done is for you fellows to enact the federal sales tax to pay for the bonus. People hate sales tax. But if they want our veterans to have the bonus, they'll be glad to pay it. My point is, they ought to have the clear choice. Mr. President, our views on finance have always differed greatly. Then why did you come here this morning? <laughs> well, I, I always like to know what the opposition's up to, Mr. President. And the best way to find out is to ask. If the source of money is the best argument you've got against this bonus bill, I think you're licked right now. The Senate will take it up as soon as it's passed in the House. And I wish to raise this petition for the release of Edward V. Drew and his fellow political prisoners in the records of the House. After this slight departure from our business, gentlemen, we can return to the bonus bill. Will the gentleman yield, please? I ask, Mr. Swift. I do not think the Drew petition is a departure from the bonus bill. I think the two are closely related. I don't see so. The bonus bill is an effort to repay the men who fought for the things Drew would destroy. I find it incredible that any citizen of this country would agitate for the freedom of Edward V. Drew. We must realize that Drew's ideas are the ideas of a traitor, an enemy of the American government, a man who would destroy our institutions, and substitute some wild, impractical plans of his own. I don't see the... No government organized as he would have it would exist except by force. There's the truth, gentlemen. 
We're asked to believe that Drew is a gentle soul, a believer in peace, an enemy of war, that every idea he preaches would lead to economic chaos and the destruction of our personal freedom. Gentlemen, Edward B. Drew is a violent apostle of radicalism. He must serve out the rest of his term in the penitentiary. every time he takes exercise in the prison yard. Drew is a very gentle person. He simply loves people. There's no other explanation. He just talks to those men and then they're different. We'll miss him if he's taken away from us. Sign, J.B. Coulter, warden, Atlanta Penitentiary. I'm sorry you read that letter to me, Miss Sam. What? If Drew and the others are to be released, it can be for only one reason. The justice of their case. If we're to begin freeing criminals of all sorts because they're model prisoners... Yes, I dare say you're right, Mr. President. Have you arrived at any opinion of this case meanwhile? No, I've been over the entire record, and I must say I have a different picture of the man now than I had before. Then you will release him in spite of his being a model prisoner. Well, there are other considerations, Miss Sarr. Mr. President, what considerations can stand in the way of common justice? I'm not sure yet exactly where justice lies, Miss Sarr. However, I'm going to take at least one more step. I'm going to ask Attorney General Hickman to carry out a personal investigation. Mr. Hickman, but he's one of the most cold-blooded politicians. I beg your pardon, sir. He's a member of the cabinet. I meant that Mr. Hickman will be totally unsympathetic to Mr. Drew. Miss Sarah, that's exactly my point. Uh, have him come in, Miss Sarah. Yes, uh, please go right in, Mr. Hickman. Thanks, Miss Sarah. Uh, hello, Mr. President. Mm. Are we in trouble? Yes, we're in trouble. Sit yeah. down, Harry, sit down. I'll name it. Uh, you mind if I smoke a cigar? No, I know those things. Blow the smoke toward the window, will you? <laughs> uh, Harry, what do you know about Edward V. Drew? Oh, that radical? What do you mean, exactly? Well, he's one of those wild-eyed fellows always wanting to turn society upside down and destroy <laughs> everything. <laughs> You've been seeing too many newspaper cartoons. Huh? I felt the same way about him until I got to studying this case. Let me read you a little something he said at the trial. <coughs> <coughs> oh, I'm sorry. The uh, smoke won't go out the window. <clears throat> well, you just keep trying, will you? <clears throat> Well, here it is. He said, I have never advocated violence in any form. I always believed in education, in intelligence, in enlightenment. And I have always made my appeal to the reason and the conscience of the people. <coughs> I'm sorry, sir. I'd better kill the <coughs> I wish you would. <clears throat> Thank you. Then he goes on. I believe in the Constitution of the United States and the very first amendment which says that Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech. Uh-huh. Well, the devil can always quote scripture to his own purpose. Well, listen, just a moment. He ended up by saying, I am the smallest part of this trial. There is an infinitely greater issue that is being tried today in this court. American institutions. The First Amendment of the Constitution is on trial here before a court of American citizens. And the future will tell. Well, 
Oh, it's fine, but the Supreme Court said that in wartime, the right of speech may be limited. Yeah, but now there's peace. And what Drew said is still right. The First Amendment is on trial. Besides, if he were a man who wanted to use violence to overthrow the government, I'd make sure he served the full days of his term. But he isn't. I've studied his case thoroughly. I don't agree with his ideas, but I do think he deserves fairer treatment. Mr. President, what he said that day could easily be just words. Who knows if he's really that sort of man? I want you to decide that, Harry. Me? Yes. Have him sent up here from Atlanta. Interview him yourself. <clears throat> if uh, that got out, you'd be in some fine soup. I think he can be trusted to come here alone, secretly. See for yourself what kind of a man he is. Well, all right, I'll do it, but uh, suppose Swift and John's here about it. I've got a choice, Harry, between standing between our precious American institutions as I see them and compromising my ideas for fear of political retaliation. If you tell me that Drew really deserves to be released, it'll take more than Swift and John's to prevent me from doing it. <laughs> just a moment, we'll come back to Edward Arnold and Mr. President. This is a tip on an investment, the most profitable investment a person can make today. And anybody can make it. It doesn't call for hundreds or thousands of dollars. What it calls for primarily is common sense and an appreciation on the part of the investor that a return of $4 for three is a pretty good deal. That's what United States E-Class Savings Bonds pay at maturity, $4 for every three you put into them. What better way is there to ensure your future, to cinch that farm you hope to buy, or the business you hope to own? That trip abroad, your own home, college for your children, they're all very real for your future. You can take advantage now of the opportunity to buy United States savings bonds. They can be purchased at banks or post offices or through the payroll savings plan where you work. Think of your future today and buy United States savings bonds. Now back to Edward Arnold and Mr. President. Yes, yes, which president this story really happened to? Well, keep trying, and later on I'll tell you who it was. Once my decision was made to investigate the Drew case thoroughly, we had to take every precaution to keep the fact secret. In Atlanta Penitentiary, Drew was warned by the warden to expect nothing, and he was asked to keep his trip perfectly confidential. When he promised to do so, he came to Washington alone and visited the Attorney General. Yes, sit down, Drew. Have a good trip from Atlanta. Thank you, Mr. Hickman. Very pleasant. Although a sleeping berth does remind me a little too much of a prison cell. <laughs> uh, how about a cigar? No, thank you. Mr. Hickman, Warden Coulter told me this visit is to be kept absolutely secret. I'll say nothing, of course. Even my family knows nothing of it. Now, sir, perhaps I can make this interview easier for you if you understand that I expect nothing. Don't you want to be freed? Yes and no. I don't get you. It depends on why I'm freed. Well, that's the whole point, Drew. I, I, I think it wouldn't be too hard to get the president to release you. Well, that would be wonderful news, of course. On one condition. Uh-huh. You see, Drew, you've got to understand certain uh, realities about politics, especially in Washington. A man who's been in prison for political ideas understands a great deal about politics. Mr. Huh? Yeah, 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 I suppose he does. 
But uh, what I'm talking about is this. Uh, if the president frees you and, uh, and about 150 others who went to prison for the same reason, uh, a lot of people just won't understand. Representative Swift, for instance. Uh, yes, for instance. Uh, he can make a lot of people sore at the president. You can see how bad it would look to the veterans. Mr. Hickman, I'm hardly qualified to talk about that kind of political reality. Uh, Drew, a moment ago I said the president might be able to free you easily on one condition. That you make a statement that you, uh, well, say that you've learned your lesson, you've changed your mind, some gesture of that sort. You understand? But I haven't changed my mind about anything, Mr. Hickman. You mean you prefer prison to freedom? I prefer honesty to compromise. Drew, I'm not asking you to crawl on your belly. Just a statement that might look good in print. No dishonest statement could possibly look good in print. No, Mr. Hickman. I've fought all my life for certain principles. You don't agree with them, and of course, that's your privilege. But I won't give them up. Not in a thousand years would I repent for a single moment any one of the principles I possess. They're dearer to me than liberty, than life itself. You've got at least four more years in prison. <laughs> I didn't need that reminder. But tell me, was this condition imposed by the president? I'm sorry, Drew, I can't tell you that. He didn't bat an eye, Mr. President. He Harry, turned me down cold. Harry, I wish you hadn't tried that trick on him. Trick? Well, asking him to recant. Well, I wanted to find out if he really meant everything he said. Well? I'm convinced he does. I know a man with guts when I see one, and he's got them. I say release him, Mr. President. He deserves it. Did you give him any hint of how you feel? No, and he didn't ask. <laughs> An amazing fellow. He came up from Atlanta alone. He went back alone the same night. Mr. President, Senator John is here. He's very anxious to see you. Now, sit down, Harry, and uh, let me find out what's eating John's up. Hmm? Ask him to come in, Miss Sarah. Yes, sir. Uh, Senator John. Mr. President, I want to know if... Oh, hello, Hickman. Mr. President, I want to know if this wild story is true. What wild story, Senator? That Edward V. Drew was here in Washington and you're going to release him. Yes, Senator Johns, Mr. Drew was here. And he's returned to Atlanta. Are you going to release him? Well, I don't know yet. You, uh, you know that the bonus bill comes up before the Senate in a few days, don't you? Of course. What do you think will happen to it? I prefer not to say, Senator. You hope it will be defeated, don't you? Well, in its present form, yes. Do you think it will be if the Senate learns you intend to release a lot of dangerous radicals from prison, including Edward V. Drew? Those two things have no connection, Senator, and you know it. I know there are five million veterans who turn against you for opposing a bonus and spraying Drew. Oh, you've been talking to Swift. I can add up a political equation as well as the next man, Mr. President. And I don't mind telling you, I'm glad you intend to free Drew. Five million veterans veterans. The parents of other thousands have died. They'll turn against a president who cares nothing for them. Free Drew, Mr. President, and I guarantee you, the bonus bill will pass the Senate over anything you can do against it. Senator, I'm going to do what's right about Drew without regard for the bonus bill, and I'm going to do what's right about the bonus bill without regard for Drew. And I'm not going to be counting votes while I'm doing it. You tried a political blackmail on me. But I'm not going to retaliate the same way. I've got something else up my sleeve, Mr. Senator. And I think it'll surprise you. A gentleman of the Congress, 
I have taken this unusual step of coming here before you have acted on the bonus bill because I wish to make my position unmistakably clear. I believe that this nation and every citizen in it owes our veterans a reward for the risk of their lives in our defense. However, this bill would undermine the confidence on which our credit is built. Let us have a bonus bill, but let us have it properly financed. <coughs> Thank you, gentlemen. Miss Sarah, let me have those reports. Oh, huh? here they are, Mr. Hickman. Look at these, Mr. President. This is the devil's own row breaking up. The veterans' organizations are wild. I'm afraid questions of abstract finance don't appeal to them or anyone else. I can hardly blame them. They can learn, Harry. If our bonds go down in value, if we start handing out money right and left, we'll end up with a national debt we'll never be able to get rid of. Then I'd leave Edward V. Drew in prison. What? Well, you said he deserved his freedom. Yes, but Swift and John's are right. If you free Drew on top of your opposition to the bonus bill... Harry, the veterans and their families are only part of the population. My duty is to the entire country. Any politician knows that the whole is made up of the parts. I took an oath of office, Harry. And I owe it to that oath of office to fight for what I think is right in protecting the nation's money. I'm going to continue to fight that bonus bill until it's properly financed. And I warn you, Mr. President... You've defeated us for the moment, but only for one reason. And watch that, Senator John. Because nobody understands the tricks you're trying against. Careful, Senator, careful. It's you who must be careful. I promise you before, and I promise you now, the bonus bill will come up again. Eventually, people will realize that your arguments for sound financing are false. And if you release Drew and those others, your support in Congress on every issue will collapse. Then the bonus bill will pass. If it does, I'll veto it. But I prefer to believe that there are many men in both houses who can keep these two questions apart. How can you or anybody? They're tied tight together. You want to defraud our soldiers and reward an enemy. Senator, you persist in twisting my views. Drew is not an enemy, but only an American who differs with you and me. And he has the right to do it. And I want a bonus bill. There's one way you can make us all believe that, Mr. President. Leave Drew in prison where he belongs. And then... I'll make a bargain with you, sir. I'll go back to the hill and fight for that blasted sales tax of yours to be attached to a new bonus bill. Senator, I could answer that shameful suggestion in many ways. Let me answer it by opening the door. Uh, Mr. Drew, would you come in here, please? Drew? How do you do, Mr. President? Senator Johns, this is Edward V. Drew. How do you do, Senator? Mr. President, what does his presence mean? Tell him, Mr. Drew. Senator, I've come here today to thank the President for releasing me, especially in time to be home with my family for Christmas. Releasing you? Well, Mr. President, I understand your answer. You'll have mine in a very short time. Mr. President... I seem to cause you nothing but trouble. Oh, that's all right, Mr. Drew. <laughs> Please sit down, won't you? Thank you. I also want to thank you, sir, for freeing some of the other prisoners. Twenty-three all told, I understand. Mr. Drew, 
You don't imagine that you've all been freed because I'm in sympathy with your ideas, do you? I would like to think that. <laughs> but I'm afraid I know better. You do not agree with what I say, but you will defend my right to say it. Exactly. I want you to be sure you understand me, Mr. Drew. I think your ideas are hopelessly wrong. But I don't think you should be made to suffer for them any further. You're an American citizen. You're as great an enemy as I am of violence. And justice entitles you to your freedom. My motives in this action are going to be twisted and turned. I want you at least to know exactly what they are. I understand, Mr. President. Good. And now let me wish you a very Merry Christmas. And many of them. Well, adding it all up, Mr. President, you came out pretty well. Andrew? I must have read 500 editorials. <laughs> I give you about 55% in favor, 45% against. Hmm, that isn't so bad, is it? Well, ten years from now, I guarantee you the history books will give a hundred percent for you. <laughs> ten years from now. <laughs> what about what the Senate's doing today? That interests me more. The House already passed the bonus bill over my veto. Excuse me, Mr. President, Mr. Hickman. This just came for you, Mr. Mm -hmm. President. Oh, from the Senate. Now we'll find out how high a price the country has to pay for a little justice with a badly financed bonus. Please, Mr. President, don't take so long. <laughs> well, it was close, Miss Sarah. The Senate sustained you? Uh-huh. Oh, that's wonderful, Mr. President. Now your troubles are over. Over? You hear what she says, Harry? And by the way, Miss Sarah, you got me into all this. I did? Yes, listening to that committee about Drew. If you hadn't got me all worked up with that sentimental talk about him being a model prisoner... Yes, Mr. President, what would you have done? Oh, well, you win, Miss Sarah, <laughs> you win. Mr. President, uh, you've never told us anything about your interview with Drew. Yes, sir, what did you talk about? Well, I was mainly interested in telling him how I disagreed with his political ideas. But do you know what he wanted to talk about? No, what? About a plan he had for reforming conditions at the federal penitentiary in Atlanta. <laughs> You've probably figured out by now who I was when all that happened. It really did happen, you know. And I'll tell you the answer in just a moment. Someone recently remarked that a good radio program, like a good book, was like an old friend. You know you can count on it to supply a need. That's the way a lot of people feel about the program Theater Guild on the air. It supplies the need for excellent theater on the radio, for the outstanding plays of Broadway adapted to radio. The list of actors Theater Guild has presented on Sunday nights reads like a who's who on Broadway. You've heard from such performers as Frederick March, Charles Lawton, Ellen Hayes, James Mason, and Ingrid Bergman. Fine actors offering fine entertainment. So won't you listen each Sunday when Theater Guild on the air is heard over most of these same ABC stations. Now here again is Edward Arnold. time of this story today was 1921 and 1922. So you know that Warren G. Harding lived in the White House then as Mr. President. Few realize today that President Harding was a firm champion of sound national financing 
even though his advice was later advice was later ignored in financing the bonus payments. He also had the courage, in the face of great criticism, to free the man we've called Edward V. Drew, but who was in reality Eugene V. Debs, leader of the Socialist Party. It is widely agreed today that the action did great credit to President Harding's kind heart and his regard for American concepts of fair play. Come and see me again next week, won't you? I'll have another story for you about Mr. President that I'm sure you'll enjoy. Goodbye. can currently be seen in Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer's Technicolor musical Three Daring Daughters, starring Jeanette MacDonald, Jose Iturbe, and Jane Powell. <laughs> Mr. President was created by Robert G. Jennings. It is produced and directed by Dwight Hauser. Miss Sarah was played by Betty Lou Gerson. This story by Paul R. Milton was suggested by incidents in the administration of President Warren G. Harding. Music was composed and conducted by Basil Adlam. sure to listen again next week when the American Broadcasting Company and its affiliated stations bring you another story of Mr. President starring Edward Arnold. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company.